Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. Since 2015, Autonomous is dedicated to building ergonomic office chairs and electric standing desks with the highest quality materials. The Autonomous product lineup began with the original office standing desk, the Smart Desk, and now spans several categories of smart ergonomic office tools and accessories, as well as new software solutions for modern hybrid work offices. All of our products are not just great looking and durable, but simple to use in order to unleash their full potential. Visit us at autonomous.ai and use code Messiah Radio for a 5% discount on your total order. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Special subject, remote work. The name of the book, Redesign Processes, Practices, and Strategies to Engage a Remote Workforce. Our special guest is Chris Dyer, and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me here, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamics.com dynamic.com and by vocal booth to go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors audio professionals podcasters producers and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients it's your go-to place for sound treatment soundproofing portable and mobile vocal booths visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information and Oralex acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. You couldn't have chose a better book. You wrote the book on uh, what uh, everyone is talking about today, which is remote work. And uh, this is a, a time that could you have asked for a better time yeah, you know, I wouldn't have, have wished for such good timing, um, but certainly, you know, it as luck would have it, we we started writing the book actually before COVID hit, before the pandemic was a real thing, and uh, you know, we were really fortunate to 
to be already sort of working on that and been able to get it released and and to help organizations, help companies that are trying to figure this out. Yes. And just to let you know, Chris Dyer, he's the founder and CEO of People G2, where he manages uh, 30 full-time remote employees and 3,000 independent contractors. So People G2 is routinely ranked one of the best places to work and has been listed as one of Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing companies. So uh, you really have arrived you know, at the right time here. And uh, so let's get down to the subject remote work, because, you know, right now, as we speak, you know, the employees have spoken nice that they actually have a voice. Uh, And I think I read something like 40% would rather continue working remotely. Yeah, there's a lot of data out there. There's quite a few different studies. I think the most recent, the most profound one was uh, McKinsey did a big study that said, you know, about a third of employees said they're ready to pack their bags, they're ready to to go get a new job if they're not being offered some sort of flexible work. And and that seems like a lot. And that number is even more scary when you look at who that 33% are. They are not your your lowest employees, they're not your least expensive employees, they are your key employees. So um, about 85% of your key employees or your the ones you say you might not be able to live without or would be really hard to replace, they are the ones that make up that 33%. You know, it's really, really interesting that our top talent has realized how much more effective they can be, how much more they can get done. And now they have a little bit of leverage here, knowing that other companies are going to continue to offer this, that you know, there's no reason for them to put up with a commute. There's no reason for them to put up with, you know, not dropping their kids off at school in the mornings or picking them up in the afternoon. All these small but really important things for a lot of different people um, that they, you know, they're, they're just, they're nice things to be able to do. I mean, I, I have friends who, you know, get up, at, get up at four o'clock in the morning and drive two hours. I mean, I'm in the LA, Orange County area. Driving two hours to get to work is not unusual. Hmm. And, you know, you get up at four, drive two hours into work and then work all day and then drive two hours home and, you know, basically never see your family except on the weekends. Can you, can you imagine the giant shift that happened when you're suddenly with your family all the time? And I just to- want to know what took people so long. I knew this stuff all along, you know, yeah. Chris. I, I knew yeah. that, <laughs> I knew that uh, it, you know, I'd rather be home uh, rather than be in an office. But uh, as you mentioned in your book, the word, the tipping point, which uh, frequently, and uh, and this is a tipping point where, you know, right. an, an employer, I mean, the way that things are set up now all across the world for pandemics, and now we have, you know, the workforce. And uh, so I want to find out from you, of course, there are all kinds of statistics that we want to find out. One, I suppose would be, you know, different ways to manage because I would imagine a, a lot of companies would want to manage by fear, thinking that employees really won't do what they're supposed to do. What are some of the myths as far as working at home and do, do they need spy software to, to watch the employees? Yeah, if, if you're considering spy software, you definitely don't want to be considering remote. I mean, you you definitely don't get it. <laughs> um <laughs> That is like the absolute opposite. And so, you know, it's a natural fear in the beginning when you don't know. Uh, this is the another good thing that the pandemic gave us. It forced most people to go into a remote setting, which forced everyone to have to figure it out, to have to experiment with it, and to realize that it did work. I mean, 
I, I guess you could imagine if years and years ago, everyone riding horses was too afraid to try a car. If all of a yeah. sudden, the, you know, the horses got sick and you had to ride in a car and you realized, oh, well, this isn't so bad. It's safe. And, you know, this actually gets me there faster. You know, you could start to change perceptions. And I think that that has begun to happen with the pandemic. This, this sort of event really catapulted us 30 or 40 years in advance. Well, what I don't miss is looking across on an open floor, you know, uh, if you're if you don't have that side office, you know, and looking at employees, I feel that's very unnatural. But but, but people seem to to like it, and, and some want to go back to work. They want to be in that environment. And I, I guess on the flip side, not everybody does well at home. So there are jobs that cannot be remote, right, or not cannot consistently be remote. You have to be in the vineyard to make wine. You have to be in the hangar to make an airplane. I mean, there you know. Uh, if you work at, at the supermarket, you have to be there as the cashier, right? I mean, there are jobs that just are not ever going to be remote. But, you know, there is this ingrained kind of old school industrial revolution type thinking that everyone needs to come at the, at the certain time when the whistle blows and we mm -hmm. all start work and then you have your lunch break and then, you know, everyone knows when it's time to go home. Uh, and those are what I call signposts. And so they were really important when people were moving from the farms, from very rural areas into the city as the Industrial Revolution took over. You know, this is why we have the eight-hour workday and we have the eight hours of sleep. And we we've broken days up into these three eight-hour chunks. And this was something that they figured out to teach uh, workers so they could figure out when am I supposed to work? When am I supposed to sleep? What am I supposed to do? And so our signposts have been set up this way. I drive my car or I get on the train or I get on the bus and when I get off and I walk into the door, that's my signpost, it's time to work. And when we're remote, people suddenly don't have these signposts. And so if you don't go back and figure out how to recreate them and help your employees mold these sort of different activities and, and things into their daily life, then it becomes hard, it becomes blurred, right? And that's why we worry, are they going to work? My biggest problem is that my employees overwork. That they, they so those lie those lines bleed for them, and they will work too many hours. And when they were supposed to be off, they're still answering emails or Slack messages or whatever. And we have to really work with them to not do that. I want them to force those lines a bit more, so that when they work, they work, and when they're not working, they're not working. And to actually take their vacation days and things like that. So I have the complete opposite problem that most people You're think. Good, I want to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and what you were describing, you know, nine to five, I had that Sheena Easton song, the morning train in my head or, uh, yeah. you know, Dolly Parton, nine to five. But we're going to come back just a bit. Chris Dyer, our special guest, is a world renowned expert on remote leadership and productive company culture. He's written a book, Remote Work, Redesign Processes, Practices and Strategies to Engage a Remote Workforce. When we come back, we're going to find out about the world of Zoom when it comes to remote work right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. 
Ocaso builds high-quality, extremely affordable action cameras that enable our customers to capture dynamic moments in life and share their world of difference. In less than nine years, Ocaso has become one of the leading action camera brands worldwide, with sales of over a half million units annually. There's a world out there to explore and enjoy while capturing every thrilling experience. Ocaso's mission is to inspire and empower more people to join, enjoy, capture, and share the fun of exciting outdoor sports. Visit acasotech.com. Okay, we're back with Chris Dyer and his book, Remote Work. And uh, we're going to learn all about redesigning the processes, practices, strategies to engage a remote workforce. This must be havoc for, you know, management. But before we get there, let's talk about Zoom fatigue, which is something that, you know, just not even work just with the pandemic. But this is a, a serious subject, though, when it comes to uh, it doesn't seem natural. I read something that says, uh, imagine watching television and television is watching back. You know, that could be a little bit of a drag. What is, is Zoom for everybody? Um, you know, I think video calls, video conferencing can be if you are really intentional. So there's a few things you everyone needs to remember. We have to shorten up our meetings. We have to tighten them up. I mean, most of my, the meetings in my company are 15 minutes or, or less. So we come in and we like to do meetings on a single topic. Um, we may meet multiple times throughout the day. We, we average about 35 of these little 15-minute meetings across the organization every day. So we, we break it up in a different way. Just showing up for an hour or showing up for two hours, again, because you're worried, are my employees working and what are they doing? And they're sort of trapped on this Zoom call, right? That's torture. And I remember being in a traditional office, and if I had to suddenly go to the bathroom, I would just say, "Excuse me, everyone, can we take a two-minute break?" Or I'll just step out for a moment. Right. And I and I noticed on a Zoom when we're on Zoom or whatever it is, Teams or you know whatever video system, people feel trapped. They feel stuck, and they don't ask for that break, and they don't mm. say, "Hey, I need two minutes." And so they're sitting there with their legs crossed, squirming in their seat for an hour, just dying for the meeting to end. So they don't have that natural time to take a break, to stand up, to stretch. The other thing that when we're hearing about Zoom fatigue or video fatigue, you, you started to really hit on that was that it's watching you know, back at us. And actually where the fatigue comes from is looking at ourselves on the screen. Hmm. So we're on there along with everybody else. And I wish that they would downplay it or even allow you to remove it. Because if I'm just looking at the four other people on the meeting with me, I don't have the same sort of fatigue as if I'm one of those four or five squares and you're just naturally, subconsciously, we're looking at ourselves and saying, am I looking correctly? Am, you know, my, was my posture right? And it's almost like looking in the mirror and trying to prep yourself right before you go on a date, right? But you're doing that for two hours so, sort of sub, <laughs> subconsciously. That's good. You know, and, and, and that's exhausting. The last part is that I have seen some research that says, all these, all this little movement on the screen is very similar to the type of scanning that we do. Uh, if we were out in the Serengeti, we're out in the desert, right? There's wild animals everywhere. And we were sort of looking out on the distance for wild animals that might be approaching, right? We're sort of in that fight or, fight or flight sort of pre-response. We're doing that same scanning when it's video. We're looking for people who aren't paying attention. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at, and it's, we're triggering this very old, you know, uh, part of our brain that doesn't actually get a lot of activity these days. We're not spending time looking for, most of us looking for tigers, you know, that might be creeping up and trying to get us. Um, and so that and part of- You is live it, in Florida, the cockroaches. Right, 
maybe the cockroaches or the alligators. But, you know, most of us, once you walk into your house, you feel safe, right? You've shut your door, you've locked a deadbolt. You don't feel like you're an intruder or an animal is going to come in at any moment. But when you're on these calls, you're sort of constantly scanning and, and with that same energy. And that's why it's so exhausting. So we do say video is important. Um, again, we try to shorten our videos, shorten our calls so that we give people more time away from video. Um, there are some really big benefits to video that people generally don't talk about. Um, seeing somebody else smile releases a, a, the same amount of endorphins as winning $20,000 in the lottery, according to a st study I read recently. Now, I don't know if they only uh, surveyed billionaires because I would think I would get really happy if I uh, <laughs> you know, won $20,000, but let's just say it's close, right? The fact that you see someone smile and it makes you feel good, it makes you feel happy, and it brings a certain element of connection and joy, even for just 15 minutes, that's really important. And that's not something that we can replicate uh, in a better way when we're all working remotely. Yeah. So well, you bring up good points on that. And I don't want to belabor the point or anything, but it's some people kind of like dominate and even take over these Zoom meetings. You know, people who maybe are TV uh, friendly or video friendly, they have uh, boisterous personalities, but it just seems like it's it's a different experience, you know, yeah. remotely getting together that way, or, you know, when should people participate? Or I, it, it just seems awkward. Even, you know, these pros on a television when they have to do Zoom, uh, certainly during the pandemic, it seemed awkward, but it, it certainly can be. Let's get to uh, in chapter 10. You talk about your health, which is very important. You know uh, why remote is best uh, for your people, but there's certain jobs and so forth. Well, let's just talk about mental health and working remotely. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we touched on it earlier a little bit with you just remove people's commute. You've already given them an incredible boost to their mental health. I mean, Sitting in traffic or sitting on public transportation is just daunting, right? It is it is not a fun fun part of your day. I used to get a lot of audiobooks in when I drove, you know, two hours a day to LA, but I mean that was about the only benefit of of doing that. We also noticed that people are more likely to take their uh, doctor's appointments to keep their regular checkups going because they don't have to take an entire day off. They can just remold their day. So if on Wednesday they need to go see their doctor at one o'clock. They go see their doctor at one o'clock. They don't have to tell anybody. They don't have to take a whole day off or a half day off. They just go. And if they go from one to two and they just sort of add an hour at the beginning or the end of their day, right? And they get their, their full day in and they went and got their doctor's appointment in. And I noticed there's this weird peer pressure, right? To not be gone when everyone's in the same little cubicle farm. It's to not be gone and to get there before the boss shows up and to leave after the boss leaves. Right. And there's this weird pressure of I have to perform in a mm. visual way to show everyone I'm here, even though I may not be doing anything. I might be playing solitaire on my computer the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it's this fake productivity. And so we noticed that, you know, people were reporting back to us. They were more likely to go to the dentist, more likely to go to the doctor and do all these things that they need to do or take their kids to the doctor um, because they didn't feel like they had to, you know, take vacation days just to do that. That that just that in itself, those two examples will would give people forty or fifty percent better outcomes, right, to their overall mental and physical health. 
Yep, that's true. Our special guest right now is Chris Dyer. He wrote the book on remote work because it's called Remote Work, Redesign Processes, Practices, and Strategies to Engage a Remote Workforce. And uh, you'll find out how can you develop a team if they're not in the same place, or how can you build a company culture that works for employees in an office working at home and uh, co-work spaces, and how could you maintain organizational oversight if I can't see my employees? Well, Remote Work answers all these questions. We'll be right back with Chris Dyer right after this. Tribe Signs was designed in 2010. We started operations as home and office solutions specialists and have since established ourselves as a trusted brand all over the world. We have worked with some of the world's best designers and manufacturers to bring a curated selection of beautiful furniture to thousands of happy customers across America. Visit us at tribesigns.com. Okay, back with Chris Dyer and his book, Remote Work. So now the best part, where employees maybe, or I should say employers, are still trying to figure out how do they strategize? How do they, you know, put together processes? Has this, you know, been a headache for some who can't? Why? How come some can't figure this out? You know, again, it's that concept of a signpost. So if you walk into a traditional office, right, and there's your boss standing in a conference room in front of the whiteboard holding a pen, and they're wait, you know, they he, he or she waves you into that room. You know exactly what's going to happen, right? Yeah. We're going to have it. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to brainstorm. Something's going on, right? But when we're working from home, if we don't create that deliberate signpost, we don't recreate that event. So we I, in the book, I give a lot of examples of different meeting types. Uh, a, a really simple one is called the daily standup, right? And you might have done this at a traditional office where you walked in, you had a 10-minute meeting with everyone on your team and your boss, and you literally did it standing, right? It's a 10-minute standup. So no one gets comfortable. We're not going to sit and, and yak for an hour about stuff. This is a 10-minute, hey, what's going on in everyone's day? What do you need help with? What can we connect on later today? And that that's a clear sidepost. Well, you can recreate those very easily. You can have a 10-minute standup on, on Zoom, right? And literally have everybody stand up and recreate that signpost. If, if you need to have a brainstorming meeting and it needs to be an hour long, it's going to be a larger thing, a bigger thing, then give it a funny name. You know, we, we call our strategy meetings tiger team meetings. So if you're invited to a tiger team meeting, you know, this is a, we got to work on a big deal. There's a lot of agenda items. I got to show up and be creative and, and strategic. This is not just me showing up and giving a, a, you know, a status report. On where I am on things. This is a let's solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting is that you know work uh, in an office can provide distractions for certain people. And I guess this is has this really surprised you? Has it surprised other people during the pandemic when you found out what's happened? That uh, many employees have certainly thrived in the, where they don't need to go through those uh, traditional practices that you talked about, and may have even been distracted by them. Whereas this allows them to you know, really focus. And uh, I don't know, you know, it's a, you bring up such a good point. You know, we could either be aware of what's going on Zoom or be aware of the dynamic in the actual office, but uh, not as many distractions, perhaps. Yeah. So we went remote, fully remote in 2009 as a result of the global financial crisis. So, and it was purely an economic decision. I wanted to keep my people. I thought we were going to you know, be able to survive if we could not go out of business because we didn't have enough cash. And so we were able to re- eliminate so many expenses by going remote. And that that was a trigger. 
But two weeks into it, I had had every employee call me on their own without me asking them to, to say, hey, I don't know what the plan is for the future, but uh, this needs to be the future. Like, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm so much happier. I, you know, I'm not driving. There's no commute. I didn't, I'm not having to buy my lunch every day. I can make lunch at home. Um, you know, all of these things that they all talked about, these different benefits. Because when we did it, we weren't sure it was going to be long-term. We just thought, well, we'll do this for a while. Maybe we'll return to an office at some point. And they were very intentional. I noticed that I was getting all of my work done in two to three hours a day. And you say, well, geez, you must not have very much to do, Chris. Well, no, it was that I didn't have people coming by my office to chit-chat hmm. and to try to get FaceTime with the boss and to you know, to do these sort of natural things, right? And then have have a, a lunch in the in the break room and then you get talking to people and you know or maybe like you kind of figure out there's something going on and all that stuff went away all the needless junk went away and instead we got very very intentional about when we met and how we met but I got deep time uninterrupted time I mean just just think about this the a silly to say you had to do your own taxes right and you had three hours to do your tax form and no one bothered you. You're in total silence. You had everything you needed. You'd probably get it done, right? Right. But then imagine that your kids came in every five minutes and your spouse is screaming at you from the kitchen every, every other hour. And, you know, like all these distractions, right? The dog comes in and is doing whatever, you know, asking to throw the ball for him. And can you imagine like trying to get your taxes done? That's what it was like for me at work with the distractions and people walking by. So we got really efficient. Productivity went way. And there's tons of data out there if anybody needs it. During the pandemic, productivity went up to an all-time high, right? Calls being made, entries in the CRM, emails being sent, tickets being created for clients. I mean, productivity in a very easily manageable way went up for people. And that's because they didn't have all of the human distractions that we just don't need in our jobs. And so are you going to give out your cell phone or or, or put it? People want you on speed dial to say, hey, my employer is playing hardball now and they might not agree with that. And they they, there's a standoff going on where, you know, you come back or you don't get health care or you come back to work. Do you see a problem that's going to happen or or how do you, you know, someone who is a leader when it comes to, uh, you know, productive uh, company culture? What's the landscape looking like? Yeah. I'm predicting a really big turnover of employees. Mm. I think part of that is going to be the lack of flexibility. There will be this rigidness that people are, ah, well, that's not how we do it. That's just people don't haven't rethought their ways of thinking. You know, they want to keep their saddle instead of getting their steering wheel. So, you know, they it, you're going to have some of that. And so you're going to have people that are going to leave. You also have a lot of people that weren't particularly happy with their job to begin with. The pandemic is sort of a irrelevant point for them. But because of the pandemic, they were afraid to go get a new job. And they figured, well, I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing here, wait for this to end. And then when it ends, I'm going to go get a new job. And so they've held on and they've waited until things got back to normal so they could go in and actually interview with a company and actually you know, know what they're like. Um, so there's a lot of fear, I think, for employees to change their job during such an acute you know, time in our history. So that really, really points to a big bunch of turnover. Michael, that, I think we'll really see, w- will that be another driving factor? Because if there is the turnover and remote work is the carrot that they're going to hold in front of them, then, then they're going to have to deliver on that promise. 
I'm, I love these stories. You know, you watch CNN or Fox News where uh, all of a sudden there are just more entrepreneurs out there because of this dynamic. Entrepreneurs who said, hey, I didn't want to go back to work. I did my own thing. But uh, there's power in in freedom, you know, and uh, and I guess it's just something that uh, like everybody during the pandemic, we're just relearning. Uh, just uh, briefly, I want to learn a little bit more about you kind of doing this backwards, though. But tell us a little bit about your company, People G2, and how you became an expert in a productive company culture. Yeah. So when uh, we went fully remote back in 2009, I realized that I needed to spend all of my time focusing on my people. So we do background checks, employment screening, drug testing, uh, all that kind of stuff. So when you're hiring someone or you have a tenant or whatever, we, we can help people out uh, to, to make sure they are who they say they are. So but I spent all my, my first eight or nine years of the business worrying about my customers and worrying about my products and services and worrying about you know, all these other things. But we were, we were small and we were growing and I was wearing a lot of different hats. And we had probably gotten to the point a few years before that that I probably should have made the shift on my own, but I needed a kick in the butt. So we went remote and I made this decision. I was, and when I saw that it worked and I thought, geez, here I could make this, this adjustment that would have such an impact on my company. What else could I do? And I began reading every culture book I could, talking to every expert I could. And I started my own podcast just so I could get some of these big name people to come and have a conversation with me for 30 minutes and and talk about some of these That's things. what I do. Right. <laughs> And, and, and so it was a good way to start thinking about all of this. And what we found out was, you know, for the first eight or nine years of the company's uh, existence, nobody ever wrote an article about us. We were never a best place to work. We were never a fastest growing company. You know, none of the, we were just, were, you know, floating along doing our thing. And when we made these changes, we started getting these awards, right? We started getting this attention and people started asking me to come and speak to their companies or to speak to the you know, their HR group at the back of the Marriott, you know, in Salon Z, you know, be, you know nice. nine HR people or whatever. And I just kept saying, yes, sure, I'll come and talk about it because I'm like, I don't know why you want to know about us, but I'll tell you about it. So I'll tell you what we're doing and what what's working for us. And over the years, that grew and that grew and that grew. And, you know, right before the pandemic, I'm speaking to five to 10,000 people in a, you know, giant keynotes around the world and just sharing our my message about, how do you have a great company culture? And that that really is encapsulated in my first book, The Power of Company Culture. Um, and then it took the pandemic, though, to, for anyone really to care about remote work. I'll tell you, I was always begging people to, when they were would book me for a keynote, I would say, how about we do a second session on remote work? I think this is going to be big. This is really where the future is. And they would go, yeah, you know, I don't know if our audience really cares about that. They don't, they don't understand that. And then, of course, pandemic hits. And, you know, I did 70 trainings for companies from Ikea to Johnson & Johnson to wow. Citibank. They, they cared. It just took, it took a big event. That's really amazing. I mean, because it is a different type of culture. It is one that you talk about in your book. Again, Chris Dyer, he's the author of the book, Remote Work, Redesign Processes, Practices, and Strategies to Engage a Remote Workforce. And so uh, people should go to your website, certainly, chrisdyer.com. And how else can people get the book? Well, they can certainly find it wherever they find their books online. I know Amazon's in most countries, or there's an Amazon, uh, you know, lookalike, uh, wherever that is. So uh, it's been translated in a bunch of different languages and, and there's lots of, uh, if you don't get the book, if you just want to get a summary, there's lots of those out there. So, uh, happy to, uh, if someone can't find it, let me know and I'll help them, uh, figure out how to, how to get a copy. 
So I want to ask you something, because in your book, there's a, a pyramid where it shows traditional work and then remote work. And I found this fascinating. I want you to go over it with me, if you don't mind, uh, because it's just amazing the priorities of someone who their model for traditional work versus remote work, where you have personal connection at the bottom for traditional work, or is that the top? No, it's the bottom. And remote work is work-life balance. Can you compartmentalize all this? Because this is the big shift that we've been talking about. So we had a gentleman uh, who was doing his dissertation on remote work and wanted to understand the differences. And he asked, hey, he said, Harry, heard about you guys. Can we come in and study your company? And I said, sure, you know, have at it. And I forgot that I even gave this guy permission to work with my people and to survey them, you know, over course of a year and he came back to me after a year and said, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I've been working with your people and I have some really cool results to share with you. And I went, oh yeah, I forgot. Cool, let's look at these results. And he said, you know, we found something, you guys actually fit this model that we think we have have figured out about remote companies to like perfectly. You guys really encapsulate what our findings were. And it, what, we've, what, what he found out was that in a traditional at an office setting, right? Things like personal connection are really, really big. So it's about that time with, you know, your your coworkers. And uh, it's a lot about you and how you maneuver through your day in the organization. And work-life balance is the least important factor. Then there's like five or six different ones. There's professional satisfaction. There's work. There's work-life balance. There's a family environment. There's these different categories. And so, basically, what the traditional employee liked and valued, if you took that pyramid and completely flipped it upside down, that's the remote worker. So once you get a taste of remote work and you realize the benefits, work-life balance becomes the number one priority. Mm. And this is why people will like take less money to work remote. This is why they're willing to leave their jobs for remote. Work-life balance means I can work when I want, when I want, to, to some extent, not all jobs. I mean, if you're in customer service, you better be answering the phones when your clients are working, right? You can't just clock in on a Saturday if no one's calling. You know, so there's some there's some autonomy to that. The fact that, you know, as I mentioned before, if you got to go to the doctor or you got to drop your kid off at school, you can do that. You just work that into your day, right? You, you know, uh, grown adults here and we can figure out how to do that and still get our jobs done. That kind of flexibility really allows people to feel like they're more connected to their work or, geez, I need to go visit my family in Michigan for two weeks. Can I just go work there? You know, I'm going to be three hours off just so you know. So, mess, you know, am I going to shift a little bit my normal work thing? And, and they figure it out, right? It's not a big deal. No one has to get permission but they're really good about communicating those changes so that everyone else is sort of, you know, knows when they're going to be available for meetings and things like that. And Nothing what's that stopping expression? It. I could I could live to work or I could work to live. Yeah. And again, as we said before, my people, their biggest problem is they work too much. We realized that people weren't taking their vacation days. And when we really dug into the problem, when we really talked to people as to why, it was the anxiety and that overwhelming dread on the Monday they came back from vacation, that they had so much to get caught up on. They had a thousand emails in their inbox. It was, wasn't worth it to go on vacation because there was so much work when they came back. Hmm. And so, and this is in the book, what we did was we now have them do what we call an ostrich meeting with their boss for 15 minutes, which is help me get my head out of, their, out of the sands. They're going to say something else. No, yeah, just get my head, help me get my head out of the sand. And so we get the boss and then several people on their team to give them a 15 minute 
This is what you missed. This is what's going on. This is what's important. Don't worry about that thing. Just get them caught up very quickly. And then they screen share and their boss watches them go into their inbox and hit select all and delete all of their emails. Every single email while they're gone is now deleted and they do not have to answer it. They do not have to respond. Mm. It is done. And when we instituted that policy, people started taking their vacations again because they, they didn't have to come back to more you know trouble than it was worth. Well, you're on the cover of Inc. Magazine. <laughs> you know, Chris Dyer <laughs> knows what he's talking about. And this book is hot off the presses. Go get it. It's called Remote Work, Redesign Processes, Practices, and Strategies to Engage a Remote uh, Workforce. And uh, people, of course, know that the COVID-19 pandemic has put remote work into the business norm. And uh, now there's demand to work remotely, of course. It's increased. 34% of people said they'd rather take a pay cut if they could work remotely, you know, now it's the norm. And uh, well, you've been a, a, a blessing to many people and, you know, uh, employers, employees alike, it's really for everybody. Again, remote work. You didn't do a background check on me before this uh, interview, did you? I, I did. You must have passed. So don't worry. Oh, all right. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, you do background checks and uh, as well. And uh, Chris Dyer, the founder and CEO of People G2 where he manages uh, 30 full-time remote employees and 3,000 independent contractors. Well, thank you for uh, being on the program and uh, may God bless you. All right, thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on the show. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.